Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 29 and a half episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I'm in South Bend, Indiana at the moment, home to Notre Dame University, and, well, that's, uh, that's about it. Uh, I'm on assignment doing some filming for my real full-time job since this podcast continues to have approximately uh, dramatic negative revenue stream, so I need uh, some other way to keep putting food on my table. And speaking of food, I had dinner uh, tonight at a delightful uh, restaurant called the Evil Czech Brewery and Public House in South Bend. And I not only had a whiskey barrel-aged vanilla porter, but poutine and i'm not i'm even at least one state away from canada and they have poutine here which leads me to my own personal top story which is why doesn't everyone have freaking poutine uh, i'll admit that my first real exposure to it wasn't until november of last year where uh at age 31 i went to quebec city and had a truly amazing meal of poutine and beer at a local restaurant called uh, Trois Garçons, uh, and all my Quebecois listeners should definitely pay it a visit. Uh, anyway, I was bowled over by how delicious it was, and, and it was great tonight too, but why isn't this more widely available throughout the U.S.? It, it's, it's not like it's some regional delicacy handcrafted from sort of super rare ingredients not found outside of you know the great white north up there. It, it's fries, usually pulled pork with some sort of barbecue sauce, cheese curds, and an egg. Totally normal stuff. I mean, the most real out there thing is the cheese curds, which isn't really even that far a stretch. I just, I don't get why we're all, we're all sort of experiencing this grilled cheese renaissance with food trucks and brick and mortar stores popping up just to sell us new and and sometimes worse varieties of things that we already know and love when we could just take a page from Canada's book, read the recipe on that page, and be freaking uh, sumptuous food coma uh, from poutine for the rest of our lives. I mean, get it together, America. Poutine is awesome, and we are missing out. In any case, uh, since I'm on the road and was up until about 3 a.m. last night working on a proposal for new business, I have had zero time to work on writing this week's show, which is why you have noticed that this is the 29 and a half episode of the Always Drive podcast. Last time I had a half show, I review reviewed the rental car, uh, and I, I, I guess you can guess what I'm doing for this half show. Uh, yes, it's a rental car, but it is a far, far cry from the surprisingly delightful Echo Boost Mustangs I had in Hawaii. Uh, friends, I have crossed over to the dark side this week and am actually driving a crossover. Uh, more specifically, the hottest selling crossover, the Nissan Rogue. <laughs> Uh, I fell into this car by happenstance rather than by choice since it was just what the great folks at Avis had available that could haul all my photography and videography gear across two states. Uh, but I felt this like this was a good opportunity to see how the other half lives and, and uh, to sort of understand why 
they might be so compelled to buy this crossover in such droves. So uh, I give to you folks my review of the 2017 Nissan Rogue. This week I'm driving the 2017 Nissan Rogue SV, which is the mid-range option above the entry-level S and below the range-topping SL. Uh, that basically means it comes with bigger wheels, push-button ignition, dual-zone climate control, but not leather seats, an automatic liftgate, or fancy infotainment system. Uh, the standard 2.5-liter four-cylinder engine puts out 170 horsepower and 175 foot-pounds of torque through a continuously variable transmission and delivers about 33 miles per gallon on the highway or about 22 when you're hitting every goddamn stoplight along Michigan Street when driving through South Bend to get to your hotel. Uh, while this isn't uh, this car isn't a hybrid. There is one apparently available that doesn't really improve your gas mileage very much. Uh, and it doesn't have an electronic powertrain. Uh, I, I think that the Nissan Rogue is, is really the perfect car to transition us humans from drivers to passengers in autonomous cars. And I'll tell you why uh, sort of at the end of this, uh, this quick summary of my experience. So starting with the outside of the Rogue, you'll find uh, very little objectionable. It's the classic compact crossover shape. Almost all buyers want to have. It has daytime running lights, which look like little check marks that you can put on boxes of been there and done that when it comes to buying a cheap but also usable car. Um, the Rogue has Nissan's corporate face, which means there's a chrome bezel in the shape of either a V or a U around the Nissan logo, despite there being no V or U in Nissan. Uh, the design leaves uh, relatively short overhangs at the wheels and provides good visibility uh, for the drive both uh, through expansive windows and blind spot monitoring in addition to the around view monitor which is available on the SL. Uh, when you step inside though uh, you start to wonder why this crossover has proven so popular. I mean with an upright seating position you get a you get a pretty commanding view of the road, but I, I wouldn't call the seats comfortable. They're they're good bolsters and decent lumbar support with the electronic seats, but I, I still felt myself fidgeting uh, for various positions after about half an hour of driving or so. Uh, the center stack is well laid out, but if your seat is reclined at all, you'll struggle to reach the controls furthest to your right. Uh, the screen is nice and bright. Uh, but and it doesn't uh, disappear when you're wearing polarized sunglasses. Uh, the air conditioning works well, and the vents aren't positioned in a way that they just freeze your hands the way they do in my wife's still-rented Ford Focus. Um, some minor gripes are that there's only one USB port that charges very, very slowly. Um, there are uh, plenty of button blanks that remind you that you didn't get the most premium quality car. And the sun visor is so incredibly large that, that you could seat yourself in a position so high that when it's placed down, the sun visor will completely block your view of the road ahead, which just it, it seems like a pretty bad idea. Um, it does pull out and extend, though, which makes driving north uh, during the summer very bearable. 
Um, the interior materials, they're nice, uh, though they are molded plastic along the passenger side that's been made to look like stitched leather, even though it's definitely hard plastic. Uh, I'm not sure if they were just trying to fool prospective car thieves and, into thinking that your car is more valuable than it is, but uh, it doesn't really take close inspection uh, and much less touching it to reveal that it's definitely a lie and definitely hard plastic. Uh, Cargo-wise, there's plenty of space in the back seat. Uh, the, there's space in the boot, but the, and this car even offers a third-row option, but the second row doesn't fold flat which makes placing long items like a light stands or a big bag uh, full of camera equipment in the car painful since you have to get into the back seat and then pull them over the 5-inch hump created by the rising back seats. Um, there's also no power in the hatchback area, which would definitely be handy for charging gadgets on the go. Uh, in terms of uh, the entertainment system, it, it's pretty bare bones, but... Uh, the speakers, I would say, are excellent. If there's one great thing about this car, it's the sound system. Um, I could has happily listen to music through this car and, and have been doing so for the past several days. Uh, this is the real one standout feature, but it's not without its shortcomings. Like the, It has good Bluetooth connectivity. I can get into my car, or my phone connects every time and starts playing through Spotify. But at the same time, whenever I get a text message in the car... Uh, the car will automatically respond for me, I'm driving, sent from my Nissan Rogue. And there's a setting that you can go into under the Bluetooth menu to disable that. But it is enabled by default every single time you start the car. So every time you start the car, you have to go into that menu again and disable that feature if you don't want it to reply to people automatically. Which, uh, when you have smart-ass friends like I do who say, Oh, you're always driving. You will want to do that. Or just claw your eyeballs out. Or get new friends, which, you know, is always an option. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, I think that the sound system being the, the probably the most impressive part of the car really shows where the priorities are when Nissan designed this vehicle. Uh, the powertrain, uh, it's it's kind of strange, actually. It's It's... Nine seconds zero to sixty time is pretty pokey, but the throttle tip in is really sudden and juddery, as is the braking. Uh, and the the throttle has caused me to brake traction several times just while trying to merge into traffic. You know, doing unintentional burnouts in northern Indiana was not on my to do list this week, but it, it's happening anyway. Um, it's not going to throw you back in your seat, but it'll make plenty of noise, and, and it gets up and goes if you need to pass someone. But the CVT, though, uh, the continuously variable transmission, is really, really poor. At least with automatic transmissions, you had a feel for what was going on and what was going to happen with the car if you hit the gas. You know, you'll drop down a gear or two and you'll take off with the engine revving to its limit and then shifting up to keep itself in the power band. Um, with the CVT, you, you have no idea what the engine is going to respond with uh, to different throttle positions. And this response isn't necessarily there when you're looking for it. So just accelerating from a stoplight might cause you to do the, the aforementioned after accidental burnouts, but passing on the highway may cause you to be accidentally rear-ended because the CVT can't keep up with the demands you ask of it. 
I, I think a lot of uh, sports cars have been going to automatic transmissions because, face it, you know, 3% of cars sold these days have manual transmissions in them. There just isn't that huge demand for them anymore. And I think automatic transmissions with traditional gears can be uh, sports cars or race cars, but I don't think anyone will ever confuse a CVT car for a sports car or at least a sporty car. Um, when driving, the car is probably one of the least satisfying automotive experiences I've ever had. Uh, the steering is completely numb and floaty. There's a big dead-on center feel. Uh, I find myself constantly adjusting the wheel because I can never be sure if the amount of twist I have will result in my desired uh, change of direction. Uh, whereas other cars are predictable and communicative, the, the steering in the Rogue is just vague and unresponsive, and it really doesn't respire, uh, inspire any sort of confidence in its handling. The, the turning circle is also uh, abnormally huge for a car with a relatively short wheelbase, uh, and I've had to do several K-turns when I should have been able to do just U-turns, at least in my opinion. Um, to the point about its handling, uh, it, it handles really poorly. There's a lot of body roll, uh, but it's also mixed in with some decent jarring uh, at the hands of potholes and even just expansion joints and highways. You know, where where normal cars will just employ a softer suspension to obtain more comfort at uh, the expense of handling, the Rogue has that unique brand of poor handling, but also poor comfort in addition to loud road and wind noise and, and a lack of real passing power. So, I mean, apart from listening to the stereo, there's not a whole lot of joy to be had while driving this car. Overall, I, I mean, I'm not just... I'm just not sure why anyone would buy this car over its competitors. The Mazda CX-5 is better to drive and has a better cabin. The Ford Escape looks better on the outside and has a hybrid model that actually achieves good gas mileage while maintaining the same sort of comfort levels. Uh, the RAV4 and CRV have beat it in the reliability department, and the former performs better in tests, and the latter's a perennial go-to for cost-conscious consumers who demand that sort of reliability. So, why is this car so popular when the alternatives excel in so many other areas? Uh, the, the Rogue excels at making you feel utterly disconnected with the function of driving. And if the Lotus Exige is the ultimate driver's car, then this car is the anti-Exige. It is the yin to its yang uh, that provides so little feedback about how you're driving that you might as well just not be doing so and leave it up to a computer. The CVT provides a pretty linear acceleration without providing the precision demanded by drivers who want to take control and determine how they can merge most effectively on highways, the, the Rogue just sort of assumes, eh, someone will probably let you in. Uh, the Rogue also assumes that, that you don't like to drive and therefore makes it as forgettable as possible when you're behind the wheel. Uh, for people like me who enjoy driving and, and derive great pleasure from carving roads and back roads and bombing down vacant highways, the, the Nissan Rogue isn't just a yin to, its, to, to our yang, it it's sort of the, the nuke to our South Korea, and I'm sorry if that's you know, maybe a little too soon or preemptively too soon. 
Anyway, I mean that the rogue isn't for us, and, and we drivers have to ensure that we emphasize to manufacturers that, that we're not just going to take it. We, we won't accept such a vehicle as the next status quo as we start to move more steadily towards autonomous vehicles. The, they have their place, and so does the Nissan Rogue. It's just not with driving enthusiasts like you and me, and therefore it's on us to, to emphasize to them that we still want vehicles that we can enjoy driving in, even if some of that driving is taken care of by a computer sometimes. Anyway, I'll be back next week with a full episode again covering this and next week's news. Until then, thank you for listening, and thank you to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. I'll leave you today with the sweet sounds of silence because that is far better than any Nissan Rogue sound clip I could possibly find on the internet. Uh, I'll also be back with a pop filter because I know this is sort of painful to listen to. So thanks for listening again, guys, and I will see you next week.